know that I, I want, I appreciate the, the intimate worship and the personal connection that so many of you made tonight with the Lord. And I know it sometimes is easier to do that when you're in the midst of a group. And uh, yet there's also, you've got to have been doing that alone. You know, it's not enough just to come to church and have a time to pray, have a time to read your Bible, have a time to worship. David did that on the, uh, <clears throat> out in the sheepfold. And um, uh, so I, I mentioned to you this morning that, uh, you know, about David. And I, I know I'm talking to people that we are all in the midst of situations. Sister Leslie just left, wasn't feeling well. Want to remember her. Good to have the Penrods here. They've been sick. And so uh, just so many situations going on. Melissa is here. And, and, and just had a great touch and the seed uh, sown in her spirit. And I, I made it to Psalms, the 21st, I mean, the 21st slide, Psalms, the 16th chapter, slide number 21, because this was where I told you that David, you know, was anywhere from eight, seven, eight years old to say uh, 12 years old, 13 years old, maybe at the most, when he was anointed to be king. And the Hebrew word was that he was a lad. He was under bar mitzvah. So he was a young man. And now, 1 Samuel, that was the first part of 1 Samuel, the 16th chapter. The last part of the chapter, the last five verses of that chapter, Saul has said to his servants. Now you have to remember that Saul, of course, had disobeyed God in 1 Samuel 15 and he had, had refused to kill the Amalekites and he had done wrong and the uh, prophet had told him, Samuel, that the kingdom was being torn. And so Saul was troubled by an evil spirit. The Bible uses the phrase from the Lord and, and it doesn't mean that God gave the evil spirit to him, but basically the Lord had removed his protection from him. And when the Lord removes the protection from this world, I don't want to be here. If what's going on now is with the people of God in the house, in the world, imagine what it's going to be like when there's nobody praying. When there's nobody asking for God to be merciful. When there's nobody trying to do what's right. You know, at, at this point, and when Saul, when the Spirit departed from Saul and God left Saul, the Bible says Saul was troubled. And he came and he said to one of his servants, provide me now a man that can play well. And notice that he uses the phrase a man, different Hebrew word. This was an adult who can play well and bring him to me. And then answered one of his servants, I have seen the son of Jesse, the Beth, Beth, Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing and a mighty valiant man. So he is a man of war. So we know that David had to have been probably 17, 18 years of age. 
He had to be older. He wasn't the eight-year-old that got anointed or the 10-year-old or the 11-year-old. That was a lad that went out and guarded the sheep. But now he has proven himself as a young man. And he said, a man of war and prudent in matters and comely, good-looking, and the Lord is with him. So the servants and the people knew that God was with this young man. You know, and I, I say this to all of our young folks. I know they're fixing to go back to school. But let me tell you something. The spirits know whether you're with God and on God's side Amen. or whether you're not. And the people around you know. You know, you can say, well, I don't want anybody to think I'm Holy Joe. I don't want anybody, you know, to know. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed because some kids are just kind enough to go, oh, you think you're better than us. It's not that. I don't think I'm better than anybody. But what I do know is my daddy doesn't want me to act that way. I'm talking about that father much less my earthly father. And so here's what David said. Uh, they, they saw, sent messengers unto Jesse and said, send me David thy son, which is with the sheep. So here he was still with the sheep. After eight years, 10 years, you know, one of the hardest things in the world is to get anointed or feel like you're called or feel like you have a direction and then nothing happened for eight years. Imagine David, little kid, getting anointed at eight years old. And now you go back to the sheep. I was anointed to do what? And it feels like it's not hurrying. It's not fast enough. I, I can't wait. I, come on, everybody else. As a matter of fact, this one's going and that one's going. How come them? That's where I said we all start looking at everybody else. Maybe the Lord's trying to grow something in me. Anyway, so he said, David is with the sheep. And Jesse took the donkey laden with bread and bottle of wine and a goat and sent him. David, his son, unto Saul. And David came to Saul and stood before him. And Saul fell in love with him. And he began, and he became his armor bearer. I, I can't imagine. Now, I, I don't know how many of you all know what an armor bearer is. Anybody got an idea? The armor bearer, guess what he carries? Armor. Whose armor? Somebody else's armor. He doesn't get any armor. He didn't have any armor. He's got to walk around with this guy who would hand me my sword. Hand me my spear. Hand me my shield. That's what the armor bearer does. He bears all the burden, gets none of the glory. Bears all of the burden and nobody says, wow, what a great armor bearer you have. And as a matter of fact, when it comes killing time, when the guy decides to kill the king, guess who's next in line? <laughs> the armor bearer. And so here's David. <laughs> and David is like, my goodness, 
I'm the next king. Why am I need to carry his armor? And then not only that, carry my armor during the day, and at night when I get troubled, sing me a song. You talk about feeling used. Sing me to sleep. Sing me a lullaby. The Bible says, and it came to pass when the evil spirit from God was upon Saul, that David took a heart and played with his hands. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the evil spirit departed from him. When you graduate from having an intimate connection with God, then the Lord's going to use you. And at times you may feel used. And it's not always doing what you want to do. But that's the next step. Is doing what you can for somebody else. Now I understand that, you know, Jesus was all about empowering people. And I understand. Some people say, you know... <coughs> I'm a worm, I'm terrible, I'm no good. And I'm, I'm here to tell you, I, I can agree to that, attest to that, except with one caveat, that the thing that called me and that's in me is good. Yes. And not just good, but great. Yes. It's not me that's great, it's what's in me that's great. That's why I talk about not having to worry about self-esteem, it's God-esteem. And, and what, when you read in the New Testament how Jesus took his disciples through this same journey in Luke the ninth chapter, he gave his disciples power and authority to preach and heal. Luke the ninth chapter, the beginning of that chapter. Then he brings his disciples with him and he feeds 5,000. That's amazing. I, I, I don't know if anybody's ever been part of that kind of a miracle where you've got a loaf of bread and, and you've got piece of fish and, and one's got bread, one's got fish. There was five loaves and three fish and so they're breaking it and it just keeps growing in their hand. That's just amazing. Not a not hundred people, not five hundred people, but a thousand, not a thousand, but five thousand. Then Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up what's commonly called the Mount of Transfiguration, and they hear a voice, and Moses talks, and then Elijah talks, and then God talks, because Simon Peter started talking. When he should have been quiet, but he was feeling his Wheaties, he was feeling great. Hey, I got a great idea, let's build three churches right here. The Lord said, just be quiet, and listen to my son. Now, same ninth chapter, Jesus comes down the mountain and he says, let these sayings sink down into your ears. For the Son of Man shall be delivered from the hands of men. And they, shall under, and they understood not this saying, for it was hid from them that they perceived it not. So no matter how many miracles you can be a part of, you may not fully understand what's going on. They didn't, and they feared to ask him of that, and then they started talking among themselves. Now what you think is that they're talking about 
What did he mean? But you know what they immediately started talking about? They didn't start talking about, what did he mean the Son of Man is going to be crucified or die? or that was, You know what they started talking about? Who was the greatest? Who was the greatest? It's all about me. It's all about me. We just healed. We just set free people free. We just provided lunch. We just talked to Moses and to Elijah and to God. And then Jesus drops some bombshell about the Son of Man is going to have to be crucified. And so I don't understand that, but it doesn't matter. Hey, I think I'm better than you are. Jesus perceived their heart. And so what did he do? He asked for a little child. He says, bring me this child. He brings the child to him. And he says, whosoever shall receive this child in my name, and whosoever receiveth me, him receiveth him that sent me. And then he says this powerful word. For he that is least among you shall be what? Greatest. David knew he was great. He had just about ready to kill Goliath. 17th chapter, he goes out and kills him. But the Lord had him understand that to be great, you have to be a servant. That's why he was carrying Saul's armor. And that's what he was doing. The greatest is not the one that's always in the lights, but the greatest is the one that gets no recognition, but is doing what they can for the body, for somebody else. And Jesus did not confront them and say, why are you guys talking about being great? You, who do you think you are? Do you know who I am? I'm God manifest in the flesh. And you're worried about who is the greatest? Uh, duh. <laughs> Moi. You're not even in my league, buddy. Shut up. Sorry. I know we're not supposed to say shut up. Sorry. Do you have little children in here? I did wrong. Please forgive me. Be quiet. What Jesus knew, they needed to learn that greatness is best expressed by humility and being least. Now I understand. He goes on to say, he said here in this ninth chapter, he said, there arose a reasoning among him because they were afraid to ask him which should be the greatest. 
Jesus had, had done this and, and brought this child. And then the next thing he starts teaching them over in the 10th chapter is authority and what authority does. Because you see, if you are going to be rooted and grounded in love, and you're going to have to first get intimate with him, then you're going to have to understand what it means to be great and what it means to have authority. Because having authority, so the Lord says, I'm going to give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you. Real life example. We just had a great miracle last Sunday night. Sister Melissa was baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. She felt cleansing power and the cancer leave her body. That doesn't make me great. I was the one that baptized her. I'm not great. You know who's great? God's great. Oh, well, I prayed the prayer. Oh, really? I know there were a lot of folks praying, but it all still boils down to, you know who was great? God is great. I don't have any authority to call out that. If, you know, you say, oh, pastor, that's so wonderful. Yes, I, I know, but you know how I should rejoice? I am, yes, I am rejoicing with Melissa because of the great miracle. But the greatest thing that I ought to be rejoicing about is not just the cancer being healed, but one day he called me out of darkness into this marvelous light. He wrote my name down. That's the greatest miracle. That's the greatest miracle. You say, well, that's a great miracle. Yes, it is. But the greatest miracle is, Brother David said this morning, when she gets the Holy Ghost and the Lord did it. Amen. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these from the wise and prudent and revealed them unto whom? To babes. You see, what was so important was that Jesus was trying to teach them that authority is not about domination. I, let me say that again. Authority is not about, oh, I'm the big boss. I can tell everybody what to do. If you take that attitude at work, you're ultimately going to fail. I, don't, I can just tell you and you just obey. That's not, that's not in God's economy. I understand. Brother Phillips here, he is in the guard, and I, I realize that's a soldier. You know, his commander doesn't say, oh, Philip, would you please go, blah, blah, blah. It's just go, do, whatever. And the centurion understood that. That's why when the, you know, the Lord came to him and said, I'm here to heal your servant, the centurion said, don't have to go to my house. Just speak the word. You can do it. I understand that. But 
God's authority, if you're going to have God's authority, it's not about just domination. It's the joy in being in relationship with him. If he uses your hands that you pray for somebody, if he uses your prayer that all of a sudden change, it's not about how great you are. It's about how great God is. I'm telling you, if people lined up here out the door and around the block for miracles, if they hear about Sister Melissa, it's not going to be about how great this church is. We got to keep it in perspective. It's still about what? How great God is. You say, oh, I, and, and I know we have people that, you know, they flock to various ministries and want to hear and all, you know, because he's a great faith healer. He's a great faith. Let me tell you, when you start looking at man as being the great one and you can't, and you forget about who is really the great one. The great one is not me. Great one is not you. He's the great one. And if he can use us, this poor, simple group of folks to pray a prayer of faith that a lady can go down and come up healed, you know what? That makes him even greater. It's not about who we are. It's about who he is. That's why... Jesus said, you know how the princes of the Gentiles exercise authority and dominion over them. They that are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so as unto you. For as for you, whosoever will be great among you, let him be your servant, minister. And whosoever shall be chief, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life for a ransom for many. What are you saying? Jesus was trying to teach David greatness with humility. Leadership and authority with knowing who I am. Royalty without being self-serving, but in service to somebody else. He exemplified that in his final act before he went to be crucified. Remember? He said, give me a towel. Huh? Let me kneel down and wash your feet. He is the God of the universe. And He is there to wash our feet. He is there for us to call on Him day or night. Oh, I've had people, and I, I, and I say this kindly, I've had people say, Oh, Pastor, I didn't want to bother you. And that's so kind when they are trying to think about me. But they'll say, I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want, but guess what? You can bother the Lord anytime. Huh? the God of creation. Oh, I, and I'm not, you know, I, it, you can call me anytime. I don't mind. I may or may not wake up and answer the phone. It's just, you know, I'm sleeping so soundly or something. But it's not about me. It's about him. 
And, and that's when he prayed. And, he, and you, know, you know what he says? And I, I'm going to finish there. I'll, I'll try to finish maybe Wednesday night. But he said, If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, if I have done this for you, how much more should you pray for somebody else? How much more should you wash one another's feet? I say unto you, the servant, and I know I'm preaching to the choir in one sense, we're here. I watched tonight as just the Spirit of the Holy Ghost came in and people moved under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, laying hands, praying, trying to encourage, trying to strengthen one another. That's what he's talking about. It's not because, oh, I just saw a need. I saw somebody maybe was praying alone and so I slipped over and put my hand on him, prayed for him. I, I see that. That, that, that's happening. That's, that's who we are. But let me tell you, that gets you rooted in the Word. That gets you rooted in God. When it's not just, oh, I went, I didn't get much out of it. I left. No, when you realize I've got to serve somebody else. What can I do to serve? Is somebody praying? Maybe I can pray for him. Does somebody look like they need help? I want to do what I can to help them. I, I watched as, you know, individuals came up and I often just look at some of our single moms and Landon and Natalie and Angel's mom comes faithfully to the house of the Lord. She came up for prayer and I saw Sister Anne walk down and just begin to pray. Here's a single mother, has no husband, has three children trying to do her best to raise them and somebody reaches over. What are you doing? I'm trying to wash somebody's feet. I'm trying to pray for somebody. Why? Because I'm so great? Because he is so great. And the fact that he would allow me to lay my hand on somebody and that he would use my hands, huh? That may be the prayer that touches the throne for him. Oh, that's humbling. Because it's not me. Was it? And Sister Melissa, I, 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 don't, I don't want you to get the wrong idea, but it, it wasn't because I'm such an amazing baptizer. But there have been a lot of folks out here praying. And just in that moment, when you went down and you felt all of that stuff leave your body, it wasn't because of who I am. It's because of who he is. Oh, let's just stand. Hallelujah. Oh, one more time. Let's just come and thank him.